Good morning, family. So we're knee-deep in our series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we're uh, spending time looking at what it means to flourish in life. And um, I think that it's true that this is probably the most important sermon uh, that has ever been been preached uh, in history. And this is where Jesus uh, lays out his agenda. He declares his view of the world and how we as his followers are uh, to live in it. And this sermon, um, through almost every step of the way, runs totally counter to the dominant narratives of his day, and as we'll see, uh, our day uh, as well. It calls many things um, into question. And this is actually uh, one of the reasons why Jesus ended up being uh, crucified is because he uh, hit up against the uh, dominant views uh, of his day about religion and spirituality, and so it led to his death. And I think we'll find that as we spend time uh, in the sermon uh, uh, itself, we ourselves will experience death, but the best kind of death that leads uh, to resurrection and new life. So let's pray uh, as we dive into God's word and ask for his help. So Lord, we're here to hear uh, from you. We want to uh, gain wisdom. We're asking you for it. You say that you give it freely when we ask it from you. So uh, Lord, we ask uh, for your insight. We ask you to light up your word for us so that we'd be uh, moved to follow you more faithfully, to put our hope in you, and to um, have a life uh, that's reflective of you in this world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's jump right into the scriptures. This is Matthew 6, 1 through 4, 16 through 18. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, if there's one thing that we know from uh, the Sermon on the Mount, it's that God's ways are totally uh, counter to the ways uh, of the world. And here Jesus is calling out one particular system in his day, the religious power structure. And the Pharisees were at the very core of this power structure. They were the most prominent religious leaders in that day. And they held the greatest influence over the people of Israel. And unfortunately, this was usually not a good influence. Um, Jesus exposed them as hypocrites, 
speaking openly about their arrogance and self-righteousness, and that these things were what fueled their religious uh, practice and the control that they exerted uh, over over the people. And here in these passages, Jesus makes it clear that there's no room in his kingdom for dishonesty, hypocrisy, and self-promotion. Instead, Jesus pushes for integrity and honesty that comes from the heart. Now, it's a message that you and I need in our world today as well, because as I'm sure you've noticed, human nature has not really changed much since that time a couple thousand years ago. As I was preparing uh, for our time together this morning, I was thinking about hypocrisy in our world and just uh, how common it is. And it brought several uh, different professions to mind, including politicians and lawyers and uh, used car salesmen. And, and uh, there is hypocrisy in our world every, every bit as much, if not more so, than uh, in Jesus' day, and we've all come across and been frustrated by two-faced people who say one thing and then do the opposite. Now, I want to say that we come by this dishonesty um, through uh, the explicit teaching of our culture, which often uh, promotes dishonesty and scheming to get ahead in life. It's not uncommon on TV to see people who get ahead through corrupt means. And unfortunately, I think we've all seen that this spirit can creep into the church as well. And we've seen uh, many people outside the church uh, rightly criticize the church for the hypocrisy that exists within our ranks. I think about all the scandals that we've uh, seen in in recent years of preachers who say one thing and preach so fervently against it and then are found to be secretly practicing the thing they're uh, preaching against. We've heard about the child abuse and the cover-ups in different uh, uh, groups and denominations. We've heard about embezzlement and adultery and a domineering spirit that has disqualified uh, some leaders in various churches. And these offenses cut across all groups and denominations because every single Christian church, every single community is filled with broken people who often fall into the trap of trying to cover up and deny their brokenness. But as we know, that only lasts so long before it falls apart. Now, those are kind of out there examples, but if we're honest, we've got to get personal. We've got to get to our own hearts and recognize and admit that this hypocrisy can easily creep into our own uh, hearts as well. And if we read the Sermon on the Mount only to assess other people's ethics, then I think we've lost the point entirely. We need to ask hard questions of ourselves. And as Jesus does in so much of uh, his teaching, there's what we read, and then there are questions that are sort of hidden within the teaching that poke and prod at the hearer's hearts. And I think the questions posed in, in these passages are this. 
Why do we do the nice things that we do? Why do we do the religious practices and spiritual practices that we do day to day? Do we do it for the Lord or do we do it to look uh, moral or good or upstanding? We need to examine our own hearts of why we do uh, the things that we do. See, Jesus isn't satisfied and wasn't satisfied with just doing some kind of greeting card message uh, and then letting people move on without having to uh, examine themselves. He wants us to examine ourselves. He's actually laying out the plan for a new humanity, not motivated by fear or a hunger for approval or for the desire to build a reputation, but a life not but a life built on the Lord and not uh, on the self and promotion of ourselves. Now this is sort of an uncomfortable proposition for uh, most of us because sometimes we'd rather just get the hallmark greeting, this happy truth and go on about our business and not really apply it personally. And that's because of the pride of our hearts, isn't it? It's because of the perpetual uh, human condition of uh, self-centeredness and greed and this uh, radical individualism uh, that's so common among us. You'd think that with uh, thousands of years of heartache, we would have learned by now, but even this week in social media, I saw somebody arguing uh, that people are basically good and that they only go off the rails because of these exterior factors, these outside influences. Now, don't get me wrong, outside influences absolutely do matter, and we need to be uh, very careful about them. But if we only stop there, it won't ultimately help because it doesn't correctly diagnose the depth of the problem. And uh, the depth of the problem Uh, we need to be willing to go to that place of our own hearts, not just blame uh, for people out there, blaming people out there. Alexander Solzhenitsyn in his masterpiece, The Gulag Archipelago, says this, The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. As Christians, we see um, pretty much all of the problems in the world as the outworking of one devastating truth that goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, and that's this, that all of humanity has rejected God since the garden and has turned against his rule and his reign. And we believe that this is the very core of all sadness and tragedy and injustice and destruction in our world. And unless we are redirected and changed, we will continue to reject God and his truth and seek our own way. And it will be to our ruin and to the detriment of everybody around us. Now, this is why the Bible focuses on the problems we face as humanity now this is, excuse me, this is why when the Bible talks about the problems uh, that we face as humanity, it centers on the heart of man, the inward core of man, 
on our desires, on our will, because our desires and our will are what shape our outward behavior. You may be familiar with John Calvin, the five points of Calvinism, the great reformer. Um, Those five points are often summed up with the acronym TULIP. I won't go into all of it right now, but the first letter, the T, stands for total depravity. And sometimes people misunderstand uh, this uh, one of Calvin's Calvin's, uh, tenets. Um, as if Calvin was saying that every single thing that every person does every day is evil. That's not at all what he was claiming. He was saying that every single aspect of human life is tainted and corrupted to varying degrees by sin and brokenness uh, in this world. Nothing in our lives escapes its influence Nothing in this world is unaffected by sin and the fall. And that sin originates in the heart of man. So if we don't go down to that core level of intention, motivation, desires, then we simply can't see the change that we hope to in the world. In the Bible, it's the heart that directs everything that comes to us in life. Everything that we uh, choose to do, everything that we dream, it's about the heart and our desires. And it's the heart that's been deeply affected by sin and by the fall, and that's why the Bible and that's why Jesus said that we need transformed hearts. St. Augustine once said it this way, O Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Jesus preached the same thing, that our inward life is what shapes our outward behavior. If our hearts are restless, we will have restless and uh, chaotic lives. The Pharisees preached the opposite, that if you just change the outward behavior, then everything will work out. See, the Pharisees had made this carefully constructed uh, religious system so that they looked good publicly and they felt good about themselves, and also so they could create this system of checks and balances so that they could keep people uh, in control and exert uh, this power over them, that it, it really exploited the people's desire to serve and love God and turned it against them in an effort to control. And Jesus hated this. His harshest words were against the Pharisees and their practices. And he says, don't be like them. It's poison. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Don't sound the trumpet as you give to the poor. The hypocrites do that on the streets to be applauded by people. Do not follow in their footsteps. Jesus gives a radical alternative. He invites you and me to experience true inward righteousness that transforms our outward experience and makes us people who desire and work to serve and love people and help them to be free. When you get down to it, there's a collision of two ways to live in this passage. The first is this, 
Lord, I thank you and I praise you for this life. You are so good. And the second one is the exact opposite. Look at me. I am good. Praise me. I'm thankful that we're a part of a family where we're trying to live every day with that first uh, approach to life. Family, we're going to take a moment to uh, ask a question uh, for discussion at home. It'll come up on the screen in a second. Take a few minutes to discuss it amongst yourselves. Family, I know it'll be no surprise to any of you that the spirit of the Pharisee is definitely still uh, alive today, and we need to be on guard against it. I was reminded of that this week. Um, I spent a fair amount of time on social media uh, recently, and it's remarkable um, how that Pharisee spirit still shows up uh, in social media uh, in our own culture. There's all sorts of grandstanding that goes on, uh, and it seems like So many people are just there to prove themselves uh, better than each other. You may have uh, recognized this in some of the uh, trends in social media of what's called virtue signaling or call-out culture or cancel culture, where it just seems like so many people are poised uh, and ready to prove their superiority uh, on social media. So I want to encourage us as a family just to beware of that dynamic because uh, Jesus warns against um, trying to build up a reputation and prove how important we are really through uh, any means. When I read uh, Jesus' teaching here, specifically on what uh, has been called throughout history, alms for the poor or charitable giving to the poor, Um, It's a challenge to me in my own uh, life experience and spirit because a lot of you know that I work with the poor uh, primarily in uh, the different ministries that I do uh, with people who are homeless and addicted uh, and incarcerated. And so Jesus' teaching sort of puts me on the spot, honestly, because it causes me to ask uh, why I do the things uh, that I do should I at all uh, share on uh, online or in public about the ministry that I participate in? And I'm especially aware of this because um, it's been common uh, throughout history for people who are helping to either knowingly or unknowingly uh, take advantage of and exploit uh, people who are in vulnerable uh, positions in order to Uh, look virtuous or to look like uh, uh, they're making an impact uh, on the world. And really it just uh, further alienates uh, people who are suffering. I saw a a pretty wild example of this just the other day um, when uh, the protests were uh, just beginning to happen after George Floyd's uh, killing. Um, I saw a video of a a young woman who walks up to uh, a crew that's cleaning up from one of the protests, and she asks for the guy's drill, poses as if she is helping to uh, clean up after the protest, and her photographer, her Instagram 
photographer is there to take a picture of her uh, to get a good shot for social media. Then they get in their luxury vehicle uh, and drive away. Um, that's a little bit sketchy. <laughs> that just uh, feels like the wrong spirit. Uh, it looked like they weren't trying to help at all, but just wanted to be seen as helpers. And that just deepens uh, the divides that we have. And I think it grieves uh, the heart of God when um, we make things uh, all, about, uh, all about us. Jesus said, uh, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I'm not sure if that shows up left and right. This might be opposite. But um, don't yet let your left hand know what your right hand um, is doing. There's a, a lot of um, outrage right now, and I would argue justifiably so, uh, over the death of George Floyd, over uh, racial injustice, over many ugly parts of our history. And I think that the, this passage um, and these passages um, raise questions for us in, in the middle of this time. Uh, many people are showing solidarity with the black community over uh, this senseless killing and the injustice that's happened in our country. And uh, I think there's a time to be vocal uh, as a way to love and support our neighbors, especially when it comes to excuse me, injustice and mistreatment of people. And I would argue that this time is absolutely one of those when our voice should be uh, heard. And what I'm personally doing during this time, um, holding both the tragedy and Jesus' teaching at the same time, is I'm trying to ask God for help to learn to do my part in repenting for things in the past, to grieve with uh, my black brothers and sisters, um, and also try to hang on to hope that uh, Jesus' kingdom would come and his will would be done um, in our, our world. And I believe it's a good thing for us to stand and to make some noise when it comes to these issues of the mistreatment of our brothers uh, and sisters. However, I don't think we should do it so that we personally get recognized for it. So I think that we should be careful uh, with how uh, we go about doing this. Amos records uh, a pretty compelling word uh, for the people of God, and I want to read it for us. I hate, I despise your feasts. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings of fattened cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Family, I think we need to be uh, careful about these things. Uh, the Lord has priorities for us. I think that the Lord wants us in this time to be near to the brokenhearted. He definitely is, and so that we have, we have an opportunity to be so as well. There are obvious and clear problems in our city, in our state, and all throughout our country and world. 
uh, poverty and bigotry and despair at every turn. And we could go uh, on and on. And yet Jesus says, when we do respond, let's not boast about it. Let's let the Lord be our audience. Let's do things um, not out of a desire to have our own reputations uh, built up. And I think the key here, family, is that we start with our own hearts. We ask good questions of ourselves. Are we willing to consider if and when we have contributed uh, to, at least in this case, the injustice and racism that has happened uh, all around us? Are we first outing ourselves as having hurt or ignored our suffering neighbors? Are we willing to, are we willing to uh, entertain the thought and admit that we uh, may have benefited from injustice and from brokenness and from other people being hurt. God help us, because I think many of us have. To co-op Solzhenitsyn's line um, in that great work, the lines of racism and injustice pass through every human heart. It's not just out there. It's not just over Uh, in a far-off place. It's in us. We need to examine ourselves. And it is really unwise uh, to post publicly and share about any activity to help before we've done this important work. Micah 6.8 says this, With what shall I come before the Lord, and how, excuse me, and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Notice that Jesus isn't saying, don't give or don't fight for justice and peace. Far from it. He says, absolutely, do give, do fight for fairness. He says to do that, but don't make it about yourself. Don't make it about your reputation. Guard your heart from this form of of pride, family. Jesus absolutely wants us to help those who are hurting. And he wants us to do that from hearts that are changed by the Lord. And when we prioritize this, he will transform our outer behavior toward love and justice with our neighbor. Now, I have to admit this, uh, friends, this is hard. And it's actually impossible apart from the Spirit of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote this. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. The freedom that the Lord offers comes through a death. Death of the self, death of the ego, and the spiritual rebirth that happens as a result. Now this absolutely flies in the face of what we hear in our world today, that all you have to do is find yourself. Friends, that's dangerous. You find yourself, you're going to find a mess. See, we all have these universal human desires. 
to be known, to be loved, to get approval, and to have significance, and to find acceptance. But there's a sermon that our culture is preaching at us, night and day, and that's that you need to find all these things within yourself, apart from anything or anyone else. You need to discover it through your own effort. But notice that those universal human desires that uh, we all have, they all are gifts. It's needed that we get them from outside of ourselves. They're conferred. They're not earned or drummed up. And they're gifts, as we know, as those who love the Lord, that only come from above. Because of Jesus' saving work, we are accepted. We are known. We are loved. The Lord says we are significant. We are valuable to the point that he sent his one and only son to die in our place. Friends, this is good news. We are secure in the Lord's hands. Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to run around living in fear of rejection and condemnation. As we've said so many times within our family, God is good so we don't have to look elsewhere. When we find our life in Christ, we don't have to run around trying to prove ourselves anymore. And that is great news. I want to end by uh, pointing out an interesting uh, part of these passages, and that's this, that Jesus affirms that we all have a desire for approval, and we run after it in many ways, but he also affirms that we will receive this affirmation, we will receive this approval from the Lord himself. Jesus tells us that as we die to ourselves and trust the Lord, we actually will receive the approval we so desperately uh, desire, but not from uh, people. We will receive affirmation, not from those around us, but it is the affirmation that comes from the Lord himself. And this is the most powerful and most needed form of affirmation. He says the same thing twice. Your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Family, the only affirmation that will fulfill us is the Lord's. And we trust in him. And as we do what he says, we will hear that amazing phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Friends, that is amazing news. We will receive that affirmation, and as we do, we'll be moved to love and good works in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.